Hello, V fam. We're back with another very special episode, number seven. During this episode, I chat with one of the unofficial leaders of the V Friends community, the Heart Trooper, number seven, the one and only Jeremy Houghton. During our episode, Jeremy shares his backstory and what crypto investments enabled him to ape into V Friends back in May of 2021, why he started the now essential Jeremy Knows podcast. And he also offers up a little relationship advice. Throughout our conversation, Jeremy also shares the stories of the Christie's auction, the birth of both the VFAM DAO and the VDAO, how his two access experiences with Gary V went, and how his first VCon as a VFriend celebrity went, including getting called out by Gary from the main stage. This was truly an amazing conversation with an extraordinary person. Hope you guys really enjoy this one and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any more coming down the pike. All right, VFAM, we are back with uh, another edition of the VFAM Sessions, a very special episode, episode number seven with, of course, the heart trooper number seven, Jeremy Hone, um, media, social media mogul and unofficial <laughs> head of our amazing community here and TikToker on the rise. Um, That's right. So much to talk about. Jeremy, thanks so much for being here. Good morning, my friend. Um, happy, happy uh, to be here so much to unpack um you know you were one of the Seriously. first people obviously i thought about when i started this journey started this podcast um so just i have so much to unpack with you but first can you give us a little 55 second cliff notes on your background before you became who we know you as jeremy yeah so most people know me as jeremy knows now which i actually came up with that name in 2019 around october as I was looking to condense all of my uh, disparate skills into one umbrella, because I've been a dabbler in things for as long as I can remember, like high school, it was always like trying new extracurriculars and wanting to have my hands on a little bit of everything. Um, in high school, I found musical theater. Um, that's not the 55 second version. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that story another time. But I auditioned and got into a musical and that led me to being in a live theater show constantly from the age of 16 until 24 when I had leg surgery and I took a little time off. And around that time is when I repositioned to do more backstage work, more production, directing. And so I'd been a live performer and theater professional since um, 2011 and to pay the bills along the way, I was a teacher. So I taught K through 12, uh, mostly arts, but also some general ed stuff. And so I was doing freelance art as a physical actor until the pandemic. That's that's fascinating. Now it makes a lot more sense now because I, I, I come right? from education too. I was in elementary for, for nine and a half years. And the way oh, wow. you talk to people in spaces and your patience and just the way you navigate um, complex issues and you kind of boil it down to its most simplest parts. I was like, wow, like I'm very curious where he's coming from, like what gave mm -hmm. him those ingredients. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, that answers yeah, a lot of questions. I, as far so, as teaching goes, I like, it was 2012 and I had just discovered clown, like literally the summer before. And I took a clown class uh, at my university. I studied clown first in Italy in a study abroad program. So when I came back, I was like hyper-focused and all I wanted to find was improv, collaborative art, clown, mask, puppetry, that kind of thing. And 
because I showed that passion, my clown teacher, a friend of his had a job opening to teach clown for like uh, five to 15 year olds. And so that was my first job. And, and so, yes, I learned a lot from those kids over the, the next like eight or nine years teaching a variety of um, art classes. Cause we, when you're teaching, I mean, when you're teaching in general, but specifically when you're teaching kids, like you have to keep the focus. Right. So I think what, of course. what you're, what you're speaking to is like, if somebody comes up and asks me a big question. I'm like, okay, well, before we answer that very niche question, do you know what the blockchain is? Like, do you have the context for digital ownership and why it's important? You know, or, you know, you have to kind of speak to people where they're at. Exactly. Um, and we'll obviously get into this, but you know, just the way you balance it when you're hosting a space, you know, you could be go 11, 12 minutes, super high level with someone like, uh, like a Nico who's like trying to get you to iron out his like seven <laughs> ways that he's going to flip his cores into a spec. And yeah. then on the back of that is like another 12 minutes of someone with like broken English. Who's like, you're trying to explain what a MetaMask is or like why they can't get a book game because they have a V1. Um, so it, it's, yeah. just, it's just fascinating. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Did you in your, in your travels and you said you dabbled a lot, did you have any, did you collect anything? Did you, was there any buying and selling arbitrage flipping in your, not, in your not warehouse? Not really. I remember the 2017 flip challenge because I've been following Gary since about 2015 or something. And I remember, oh, it's like, I wanted, I wanted that. I wanted to be able to find stuff and resell it. And I don't know if it was laziness. I didn't do the homework or just, but it doesn't come natural to me. Um, I didn't really, I did collect cards as a kid because my, my dad collected sports cards. So when Pokemon came out, like, like I actually opened a first edition hollow Charizard in my third ever Pokemon pack. Like the first time my parents wow. bought Pokemon cards, I think between my brother and I, we had like six packs. And in the third one I opened, I got it. And I remember I was in this room and I remember screaming and running all the way to the kitchen and being like, ah, look at it, look at it. Um, so you knew how of, sacred it was. Yeah, I knew, I knew when it was it, when you opened it. Well, I knew Charizard. I didn't know like really what was going on, but my dad would always like force us to binder and sleeve everything. Sleeve, like yeah. not, not for like the PSA process, but to like complete the set. Like he, he, he would, he has in the closet, like, binders of entire years football baseball you know so so he, my gotcha. dad was more of a like a, a junk collector like like he, he would go from things he the collected coins yeah. cards collected okay. clowns after i started getting a clown he would like be at the thrift store be like oh jeremy might like this <laughs> these creepy old clown dolls um but yeah why why that, well like, i had what's... a rock collection too but yeah. Okay. What, I mean, clowns, I feel like from an outsider's perspective and clowns get it, just get a bad rap. Is it just like the creepy, scary things we've seen in the movies? Like, what do you, no, what, not what is all. your take on the clown? Well, you know, just like anything, nothing is just one version of, of how we know it. Um, so clowns in particular, they obviously went down a certain path with it and a lot of like, gory murder circus clowns but that that like barnum and bailey style that like great american circus style with big wigs and shoes and the 
squirt bottle and the, the flowers mm-hmm. and stuff that really didn't come around until um early 20th century but clowns have been a part of performance and storytelling since like the dawn of theater back in ancient greece and there's there's also stories and and writings about clown type of characters which mainly like held up a mirror to the society and like showed them how silly or um like like they they would often like diffuse tension by like showing people how dumb they look uh being the contrarian being Mm. the fool like that kind of role in society goes back to like tribal days so so the clown can really run a spectrum uh, you know, in the Renaissance, it became more like slapstick, fart jokes. But then you also have clowns that are like soft romantics. They're like servants and they're just, um, they're just naive. They're more amoral. You know, they kind of like have that, ch- those child eyes. They, right. they, they allow the world to see themselves without all of the baggage of society. Um, so I, I, I've actually, I can't say I've never... But like, I, I, over time, like I stopped using white face paint. I just wear my red nose and it's enough to like change the, the, the way you're perceived a little bit alienating and like, uh, clown is such a hard I, thing I to, to describe. It, it's it, like, I totally get that. You know, um, right now well, I'm be clowning. Cause like listening is just like a bit of clowning, but it's when you take it to the absurd right. that it starts to become theater. Uh, well, I am. Definitely, I definitely sat back and, and thought about, wow, like when I heard about this competitive clown thing attached to a sports team, I was like, that's really interesting how yeah. clown's going to be the face of it. So um, we'll we'll see how that unfolds. So let's take a step back in time. You you mentioned 2015. Where, what piece of content or what did you watch or read where you first heard the name Gary Vee? The first Gary Vee piece of content I saw was his keynote at the USC entrepreneurship class. I don't know if you've seen this, but it was like a 2015 speech that he gave to a class. And actually, um, it, uh, uh, Jameson, I don't know if you know Jameson R. He was actually in that class, I found out. Um, oh, so cool. funny how things come back around. But uh, yeah, I remember I pulled up to my home and I opened up Facebook or something and I saw this video And in the first minute, he's like, well, firstly, you know, he's speaking to a class of entrepreneurship and at USC. And he says, first of all, I don't think you can teach entrepreneurship. So that's awkward. And like everybody laughed. I remember this one. That that got my attention. And uh, yeah, I ended up watching the whole thing, just sitting there in my car outside my house. Um, And he just said a bunch of stuff that made sense, you know like sort of the early forms of talking about gratitude, conviction, patience, you know, how hard it is to do it. And at the time I had just joined a MLM called ACN. So I was like uh-huh. in, I was like in the shit trying to make money and realizing that this business model was not as, uh, not as viable as it made it sound in the pitch. You know, because a lot of these MLMs, they they have a viable product, but their recruiting tactics are not, I would say they're not ethical, right? So mm. I was feeling that, 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 that tug. And in that speech, he says, 
I think I was in it for like uh, a month or two at this point. And he says, as soon as you don't believe in what you're selling 100%, you've already lost like 99% and you've lost. And I was like, Oh fuck, I have to, I have to figure something else out. And I, then I binged all of his content, like all of his Gary V's ask Gary V stuff, looking for comments on MLM to be like, give me, give me another clue. Where do I go? And, uh, yeah, that was the, that was the lifeline that got me out of that business. So that's always how I remember it. Interesting. Uh, and I did one, I didn't know that too. Um, that's very interesting because I, I have a pretty good context for MLMs. My, my mother back when I was a child would get scammed every other month, you know, you get new business cards <laughs> oh, for a new man. company every three months. So I had that taste oh, in my man. mouth, but I'm also in a place where I've been in one for seven years. Um, and it's, it's a reputable one. And I, I really just like many of the things that are true, the true stereotypes about MLM, but it's, yeah. it's almost like, and I'm thinking about this parallel between that industry and NFTs now, like a lot of people totally have a bad taste in their mouth about NFTs without ever experiencing an NFT or being part mm-hmm. of a project, whether they're scams or whether, whether they're, you know, there's grimy people trying to take advantage yeah. of you. So you, it's the kind of thing where you have to take a closer look and kind of, um, you know, as Gary would say, open the hood and see like who's behind it, what they stand yes. for. Um, so that's, that's a fascinating parallel. So yeah. we, we move along the timeline. You, I assume you kept up with following Gary. Be- yeah, became a fan more uh, off and on. So, talk to us about the first time you heard V Friends around you know spring, late winter, spring twenty twenty one. Yeah, so the first time I heard V Friends was the first time anyone heard V Friends on May fifth. Um, and leading up to that, I was, I was ready to purchase a, a Gary V NFT regardless of what it was. You know, um, and it happened because I was, I was into crypto at that point since the beginning of the year, 2021, and I was dollar cost averaging and I was seeing the number go up and I was like, Hey guys, I I went to two or three of my best friends and I was like, please just do this. Like, just put in a little bit, like this is going, um, you know, I, I bought a little bit of doge just under a cent. And so that was like, that was an easy proof for them when it went to nine cents and my a hundred dollars became a thousand and they were like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. what?" Um, and <clears throat> my friend Tyler, he's like way level headed. He didn't want a piece of any of that doge stuff. He was just like really money. I can afford to lose going slow, but he, uh, and so I got him started and he was buying Cardano at like 70 cents, you know, now, now that doesn't sound wow, too good, great. but at the time that, you know, it did a four X from there. So, um, so we had this kind of crypto chat and I was getting deeper and deeper because I was still freelancing. So at, during the pandemic, I went on to do handyman work, moving jobs, mounting TVs, fixing doorknobs, stuff like that. So that wasn't enough. And then I tried to trade some crypto that didn't go so well, but I learned a lot, paid for my education in that, in that regard. But, um, to, to answer your question, Tyler, my friend, Tyler, let, let me, let me, let me try to give you a nice soundbite. So when did I first hear about V friends was 
the same day that everybody else on May 5th. And I was watching Gary's NFT for maybe like five days before that because Tyler was like so many people in the pandemic really down and Gary's content was kind of a lifeline for him. Like it gave him a reminder of the gratitude and the positivity. So where I was not following Gary at all at this point, he was like using it as like a, as like a positivity hit in the morning. And then because I had got him into crypto, he was like, have you heard about this NFT thing? And I had heard of NFTs um, in like a discord I was in or something, but never got into it. And Gary being Gary, you know, I've, I've gotten so much like self, tools for self-awareness, tools for confidence, sure. like business acumen, you know, I've given people like social media tips before I even did it just because I knew it was good advice. Like I could speak to it. Um, mm -hmm. He's given me so much. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And he said, have up to one ETH. And my friend Tyler had half an ETH and I had one and a half. So we split it. And, uh, uh, so we were ready. Yeah. So I was there the morning of, and then they, they delayed the launch and revealed the website and it was be friends. And then it was in the next like 30 minutes that all of it started to like piece together for me. And as a storyteller, I was like, this makes sense. Like I can see how you can iterate on a character over and over again. You have how many limitless possibilities of like, Juicy Jaguar encounters likable leopard, uh, patient panda uh, encounters truculent T-Rex. Like it doesn't even have to make sense because it's all contextual to what you're trying to say. Right. As an improv artist, I was like, wow, like this could go anywhere with Gary behind it. I was like, whoa, this is going to be everywhere. Uh, and, and that's, then that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. And then the, the same day is when he said, it might be three ETH instead of one. And so that's why I when I saw this Sorcerer Scholarship, I was like, this might be my only shot. I have to go for it. That's why I started making content. So, gotcha. So it, it's interesting and it makes sense with your artist's background. Most people, when they open the curtain, were attracted to the utility, right? The access tokens, the, mm -hmm. all right, this gets me to a conference, but you saw, you saw the vision of what the characters could become um, yeah. through storytelling. Uh, fascinating. So let's yeah. we zoom in on that. So you decided to make content. Sure. You know, 511, you, you minted your heart, your heart trooper. Number seven. Heart trooper number seven. I saw on Twitter, it was 513, May 13th, where you made it your PFP. Nice. Uh, for the first time. Yeah. So let's, let's zoom into that because on... June 8th is when you put out episode zero of the Jeremy Knows podcast uh, called What's in a Podcast. So between, <laughs> let's zoom in on 5.11 to 6.8. Like what's happening? Like, let's go a little deeper there. What called you to, to make that podcast? Wow. That, dude, I really appreciate you grabbing that date because I actually listened to that episode last week for the first time you in did. Prob probably a year. Yeah, because so so to answer your question, from five five, I made an email. I was watching Gary on the Bankless podcast, and he was talking his thing, and I was like low key worried I couldn't afford it, and I really wanted the Sorcerer Scholarship, and I just had that seed of like, 
the application must be content based. Like they're going to ask people to submit mm. their Instagram like they do for jobs at Vayner. So I made the email that just popped into my head. Want to be a V friend. I want to be a V friend. In retrospect, it's not maybe the catchiest name. You know, it's like want to be like the Spice Girls. And there's an A that people right. sometimes forget. But I had nothing to lose, right? So I made this email, want to be a V friend. And then I made the Twitter, which is now Jeremy Knows. Uh, the Instagram, which is still want to be a V friend. And the TikTok, which is want to be a V friend. And I just gave myself the simple thing. I was like, follow Gary's model. It was simultaneously 64 pieces of content today and one a day. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you that the clip, like the very first video clip I made. And it'll give you more, it'll give you more insight. It's me like with text over my face and being like, so I have an idea. I'm going to go for it. Uh, Nobody's watching this right now. That's okay. That's how it starts. And uh, this is officially the first VFriends fan account. And, you know, little by little, like going to VFriends hashtag engaging fast forward a little bit. Um, I'm putting out information ahead of the launch by five to, to May 11th. We didn't have any information on characters or any information on pricing. All we had was nothing. An, an Instagram account with a picture of all of the drawings. But we didn't know really That's what was right. going on. So I made like a large spreadsheet with links back to Instagram. I like reported on the pricing. Like I was there and that brought in like a hundred people in the first week or something. And this was fun. So somewhere around there, like one or 200 followers, there was so much information that I had to go live to, I couldn't like write it in a post and I, I'm comfortable in a live video. So I went live and I remember like, shout out to Choopy Doodles. Like one of our first live streams, it was just like me talking to Choopy, writing back to me in the comments. But that's when one, the- One follower, I love it. Yeah, that's when the, the emergence of like distilling the information really came through because at first it was just curation, you know, fan art and discord screenshots and whatever, but like people didn't have time to check the discord. So that's what I was doing for folks. Um, the podcast to get to your question came up because Instagram is in app only. You can't, you can't minimize Instagram, keep listening to the live stream and do other stuff on your phone. So from May 11th to June, to June, I was going live every day on Instagram explaining what was going on in Friends, And a lot of people were missing it because even if they wanted to watch the playback, they had to leave their phone on Instagram for like 45 minutes to an hour. And they were like, can you make mm, a podcast? That's... So I made a podcast because people asked for it. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And the, the reason... Like... Oh, go ahead. No, no. You, you go ahead and then I'll... I'll... You finish your thought. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, uh, the reason the, 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 the reason June 8th is so interesting is because I didn't know how long it took. But, yeah, it took less than a month for me to realize, like, frictionless, right? Like, I was constantly trying to, like, sharpen the tool and, like, follow Gary's model. And he's always, like, make it as frictionless as possible for people. So the podcast became a, a great vehicle for that. And I just downloaded Anchor and hit record. That's amazing. And, and June 8th is, I'm, I'm like almost shook right now because I'm looking at the count. I'm looking at it's my June 11th, computer screen yeah. and it says June 11th. And we're, we're talking about a year and it yeah. feels like 
Like we're doing, I'm doing, I'm trying to dig up history right now. Tell me And it's it. only been a year. Mm-hmm. It is fascinating. Fascinating. So um, I think, you know, that podcast has really transformed what this community um, has turned into, but we'll, uh, we'll get more into that later. So I want to go to another tweet moving down the timeline. Uh, this is fun. September 14th, 2021. You said, oh wild idea. What if we formed a DAO to pool a six-figure bid on the V Friends um, and Christie's auction in October? Have the drawings mutually owned by the community. May not win the bid, but would love to try. And you tagged Gary and V Friends. Is this the birth of what we know as the V DAO? No. No, it's not. All right, so talk to us. That's the birth of what we know as the V Fam DAO. Okay. So, so this is a this is a part a partly confusing history, entirely my fault. Um, because, man, that tweet that that was probably my my biggest tweet up to that point. I don't know. It just struck. There was enough people paying attention to V Friends and Christie's at the time. Um. I remember it got like 40 comments in an hour or something. And I was like, whoa, mm. people are down to throw 50, 100 bucks at something, you know? And and you can actually watch it play out because I was live streaming on Twitch. It's all on my YouTube where I'm talking to KCCO Eric. And we're just like, um, we're just discussing the announcement. Like, okay, what is Christie's? What is this all about? How much do you think they, they'll go for? Oddly enough, I mean, we guessed a few times, but in the mix of it, we did guess the price of the Gratitude Gorilla that we purchased right on the dime on 200K. Um, but that tweet, that that tweet really is is the first uh, words. Because you said, is it the genesis of the VDAO, right? right? And in a way it is. In a way it is. It's because it it led to me and the community learning about DAOs and going through mm. an effort to mutually bid at Christie's and we won, which is just, it's such well, a before, wild story. <clears throat> Go ahead. Before, yeah, before we get too, too deep on this kind of wavelength, can we, let's, can we take a step back and for people that may be listening to this that have like, no idea what's going on, could you, Read, yeah, could you tell us what ha what Christie's is, what happened? Um, kind of like the 101 version of the story. Yes. So it's early September, and Gary is teasing announcements as he is wont to do. And finally, it comes out it's going to be September 14th. And it was very exciting. Even more exciting because the market was going crazy. We had We had just got up to like 16 ETH floor for vFriends, then 18, and then the night before this announcement, it went up to 24. So everyone's on the edge of their seat the next morning to like hear what this announcement is. And we're all on Twitch and in, in Clubhouse, like to, there's like, there, there was like 450 people on my Twitch stream, which is a hundred times what I usually have. And we actually missed the announcement because they posted the wrong link in the Discord. We're like, what is it? What is it? And it gets around, we've watched the replay and he's like, I'm very happy to be sending my five original artworks, not the NFTs, but five physical artworks that underlie the VFriends NFTs to Christie's Auction House, which is a legacy auction house. They have been around for 200 plus years. They auction and sell 
all sorts of luxury and uh, historical goods and art. And they, they, they are with Sotheby's sort of like the prime legacy auction house for artwork. Um, and hence why it was a big deal that V friends was getting kind of like verified in a way, you know, like Twitter verification. This is almost like art verification. It actually spawned. These are, these are like doodles, like what people. Yes. And they're like elementary doodles. They're marker drawings that probably took Gary like two minutes. You know, it's actually sparked a really interesting conversation in the art community of like, going to Christie's doesn't necessarily validate you, but at the same time, most artists want to be validated by that sort of platform. Um, story for another time, but, uh, so, so he sent these five artworks. He sent, uh, four of the original drawings and one draft. There's a, there's a series of drafts of all of these characters or most of them called alpha drawings. So, um, there's a lot of alpha characters we don't know about, but the empathy elephant has an empathetic elephant. It's like a smaller piece of paper. It looks different. So he auctioned off the empathetic elephant, the gratitude gorilla, the diamond hands hen, the you're going to die fly and the tremendous tiger. And, and I sent out that tweet. I was chatting with Eric and I was like, you know, like how much money is it really going to take? Like there's a lot of money flying around. Like I've got 0.1 for it, you know, whatever. And so I sent the tweet. A lot of people are like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Why not? And I said, I'm down to do this, but it has to be on chain. Like there has to be a very a trustless way that we're doing this. Just, just because a bunch of people trust me, I'm not just going to be cust- taking custody of people's money. Like it has to be legit. And then a smart contract developer comes in. He's like, I'll build your DAO contract for free. And so then it really started to move. Because I knew very little about DAOs, and for those who don't know anything about them, it's an acronym that stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. It's You can think about it just like any business organization or a mutual fund that is managed, organized by a decentralized control. So that decentralized control can be tied to a cryptocurrency or an NFT. And... Um, and so he hopped on a call with me, this smart contract developer, and we talked for like an hour and a half. Like he broke down a lot for me. And you know, I like sponged it all. And I took it back to the group that was on Twitter. And I was like, okay, this is what I understand. I don't really get this, but this is this. We could do an ERC-20. We could have a fungible token that's governance and we can do all these things. And everyone was like, well, that's a lot. <laughs> so we went into my Discord and we hopped on a voice chat. And we just started started talking through stuff, you know, like how much can we get? How do we do this? Legal ramifications, tax ramifications. And we decided to meet every single day from then until the auction. So for the next two weeks, every day at 1230, we met on voice and we just started figuring it out. You know, like I remember day three, we really hit the legal questions and we were like, is anybody in the room a lawyer? And I was like, crickets. And we just disbanded the meeting. It's like, okay, everybody go out. Tomorrow's goal is have lawyers in the room tomorrow. And the next day we had three lawyers in the room. And wow. uh, shout out to the NFT attorney um, who really helped us understand like why Flamingo Dow is 99 members and no more. And why there are like regulation restrictions when you go above that kind of membership and like what you can do and can't do. And he explained to us that 
Christie's would not allow a Dow to bid at the auction. So, but we also, but we also realized by that point, we didn't need a formal Dow. We just needed a multi-sig wallet to have trust. So in a, in, in a Dow format, you, when you have a decision, you vote amongst the members. So even before we had a token to do it on chain, we started doing polls in discord. Like we voted to vote. We voted on how a vote is passed. We voted on how many members it takes to propose a vote. We voted on everything. And you're doing it before you even had an official DAO. Yes. You're, yes. Going, you're, you're acting as a DAO. Yes. And then we nominated five signers who were trustworthy in the community. And then we started working towards finding a way to, to gather funds because it, it was important to me that it not look like, uh, like a throw your money and watch it double opportunity. Because especially at that time, before series two, before book games, there were so many people in the BeFriends Discord who were like desperate to get in on BeFriends. And I didn't want them to see it as like, oh, I can get in on a BeFriend and like my money's gonna go up. Through this. You know, like yeah. it was really important. People need needed to know what they were buying and what it really was. So we made a intake form. We did our own informal KYC. We like collected legal names and stuff. And you only you had to go through all the form and check a lot of these legal phrases. They weren't really legally binding, but we did our best. Um, it was a, it was about due diligence, right? And then if you got to the end, you got the wallet address, and then you could send it to the multi-sig. And so we had that form open for five days. And after the first couple of days, it was like, oh, we might have a shot at this. Like after day three or four, it was like, wow, we've got over $200,000. We... We really like my goal was a hundred K to put like a strong six figure bid. Gotcha. By the time it closed on day five, we had $400,000, which was 140 ETH. Wow. And uh, so the, so the window was five days. Yeah. And before, before we go any further, who was at the, the table with you in those early days, the 1230 meetings, uh, what was the group? I would say it was like two dozen of us, you know, it was, uh, okay. John Gardner, so, Faustus, uh, Natty wife, Monica, Don, uh, Droshik, KCCO, Eric was there. Tosh, um, Mr. Chad, uh, window tinter. Um, there were, there were quite a lot blockchain queen. Gotcha. Yeah. Bigger, there bigger were, group than I thought. Yeah, there was there was two dozen of us, and there were five that were nominated to be the signers, and we started to sort of take on admin roles. Um, but because Christie's wouldn't allow a DAO to bid at the auction uh, formally, I was entrusted, so I signed up as a as a bidder, and you can actually see the whole auction play out on my Instagram where I'm on the phone with Noah from Christie's who coordinates the NFT purchases, even though this wasn't an NFT and I'm alive on Instagram and discord is like on fire. And we had our, we had our minimum maximum. We're like, we, 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 we dedicated like $300,000 to, to win. And, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really proud because it was, it was a lot of hard work. It was, it was so far out of our comfort zone. It also happened at the same time I got denied from the Sorcerer Scholarship. So 
the mm. that denial didn't hurt me in the way that I was like, oh well, I'm not gonna do this anymore. Like I had I had long since decided I would go whether I won or lost. But it was fun to have a big win like this after having a loss. And so it gave me a little kind of different fire. I was like, well, if it's not the Sorcerer Scholarship, I got to build it on my own. It's going to be this Dow thing. Let's go. Um, and yeah, man, it, it was wild. So and, so long story short, we changed the dynamic of that uh, that auction. The, the Empathetic Elephant, the Alpha Drawing was the first to go. And obviously, you know, Empathy Elephant is a top three sure. character. Somebody somebody in the world knew that. They put out a reserve bid on the Empathy Elephant. They weren't there. So there's two different types of bidding. There's active bidding and there's reserve bidding. If you place a reserve bid, you can't raise it. But if you're an active bidder, uh, okay. you can bid up. So there I was bidding, you know, 55,000, 75,000. 100,000, I'm getting outbid in the room. Around 150,000, I would bid 10K. I would go to 170 and the book would beat me to 180. I would bid 190, the book would beat me to 200 automatically. So from 150,000 up to 320,000, double. It was just the VFAM DAO versus the book. And I, I, I hope someday I can meet that person and ask them what their reserve was. Because, like, I think my upper, upper, upper limit was like $350,000, $375,000. That would be like all in, go get it. Right. That's all you guys have. But, like, spending, spending that kind of money, like, it does something to your nerves, you know, where I'm like, Anyway, so my final bid was 320. They beat us for what, or 310 maybe. They beat us for 320. They paid 412,000 out the door. And it just, even almost, almost, almost more so than winning the next lot, I'm just so proud to have bid that one up so much. You know, like we literally changed that history at that auction. So anyway, the next one was the Gratitude Gorilla, which was my personal number one to get. And, uh, and after a little battle, we got it for 200K. We paid a quarter million after auction fees and we went wild. We became the gorillas and we, you know, we, we've now over this pe- several months since then uh, incorporated in Wyoming as a formal DAO and have it stored in an art safe house. that's like secure and temperature controlled. And yeah, fantastic and, and, story. And now we're Just- looking to make more moves. That's amazing. So how does the, when does the BDAO come into this? Yeah. So th- yeah, that auction was October 1st and there was a lot of things going on. NFC NYC was beginning of November, a lot of excitement and things. And the BFAM DAO was moving pretty slow because we were dealing with legal. Our first goal was like to bring a, a attorney on retainer and get properly incorporated. So we decided not to do any spending until that was done make sure we were in legal, clear, like white territory. Um, and what we found out is that the VFAM DAO is a closed network because like we wanted to like tokenize and fractionalize the gorilla or the vault and, and sell like a token or something. And all of that stuff gets really dicey pretty quick. So I can for, imagine 
for the time being, it's all it's all closed network uh, to maintain actual fractional ownership without dealing with uh, investment management fund territory. This is obviously my best understanding of like talking to lawyers and accountants for the last nine months. Um, and within the DAO, we, within the VFAM DAO, we had this idea of doing a VDAO because at the time, you know, more and more people were hearing about it. Like there were some, there were about 300 people who got in on the gorilla, but there were another 600 who wanted to, but just found it at the last minute or didn't have the money. You know, at the time, the friends were quite low. We wanted to like do more sweeping. Um, so the VDAO emerged from having a open network token-based governance community and really to serve like more of the cultural needs that the VFAM DAO wasn't positioned to take care of, right? Like, you know, VDAO is like helping coordinate meetups. It's doing like networking, incubation of ideas. It's connecting people. It's doing onboarding. It's like making media about VFriends. VFAM DAO. Very community driven. It's very, it's very community driven. Like the, the value, because we don't confer ownership with the token is like so much on networking community value, community solidarity, even just like our mental health space, all of those things where VFAM DAO really wants to be an investment vehicle for those 300 people, but we can't bring more people into it, at least not right now. So we just created a that separate one for, total for a very separate goal. Um, and makes total yeah, sense. All, all of the founders from VDAO came from VFAM DAO. And we're all we're all a part of both DAOs. Not not every VDAO gotcha. member is, but like as far as the management team, I think even 50 percent or more of our mod team is also in the VFAM DAO. Gotcha. I there just VDAO <laughs> by itself, you know, we could do two hours and I would love to chat with There's you. There's so know, much you to talk about. To, yeah, at one in one spot, um, that would be a great mm. session. But yeah. um, to move, just to move forward, early days of stepping away from the DAOs, early days of V friends, the community landscape, the clubhouses, the who, what's your first exposure to Discord aside? You know. Now yeah. there's so many people doing Twitter spaces on the, something connected to V friends and podcasts and like this and whatever, but give us a quick crash course on the early days of, of the clubhouses and the Twitter spaces. Like who was there? What was going on? Sure. Well, um, in the earliest days, there were no Twitter spaces. Twitter spaces launched about the same time V friends did, but it was just beta. Um, I remember, I remember a friend, when I was already doing my thing for a few months being like, dude, you have to get on Twitter spaces. And I wasn't able to host. I had to like submit a form and do this and that. So clubhouse was the audio lounge. Um, and, uh, Nikki Baltimore and Sal DeGuardia came out first and they created a, a clubhouse room where they just started doing like morning shows and like coffee talk sort of how Sal does now. Um, then that split into Nikki doing let's be friends, which still does weekly content. You know, she's done like book clubs and, um, she did a Saturday morning show for a long time. And Sal, uh, does his coffee talk, which he just like after basically a year just moved over to Twitter spaces. And that was literally almost every Monday through Friday from, uh, nine to 
uh, yeah, whatever, nine to 11 or something Eastern. Um, but before I guess it got formalized as that coffee talk, it was really centered around the giveaways. So there would be V friend one go giveaways that were like highly anticipated. And we would all jump into clubhouse and have like a couple hundred people. And, you know, as people won in the discord, we'd try to get them on the discord on the clubhouse stage and like hear their excitement and stuff. Um, Amazing. And, then, and then you have post and Corso and kid jet and, um, Kali buds and Brian Lopez and Nick and Kevin and, and, uh, Titch, like so many people who started the V friends insiders room. This is a cool part of V friends history that will get forgotten. If we don't keep telling the story at one point post and a few others, they start this clubhouse and they call it V friends insiders. And, uh, I, I think I discovered it like maybe two or three days into it. But in that first day they decided, man, we're having such a good time. Let's just keep this room open. Let's do it 24 seven. And obviously uh -huh. there were, there were DJs popping in and out to like keep it going through the late nights. And they, they really kept it going. And like, you know, if you were, if you were in the V friends insiders a lot in that time, you, you, you either got a board ape or you, you considered it, which is very interesting. I remember when like a bunch of folks, in that group got a board ape because Brian Lopez, he bought a gold board ape for five ETH back wow. in those days. That's a board ape for just I... taking off. Like the floor was like one ETH, you know, or less. And it, and so because he had that conviction on apes, a lot of other people did. And, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> you know, that's when Corso got his ape, Kali Buds, that's when Kevin. So, uh, so now this V friends insiders was like excited about V friends and just like alpha and other projects. They kept it open 24 seven, but it ended up running for like nearly a thousand hours. It ran for months. Like then wow. it became a game to like, see how long it could be open. When it hit 555 hours, we did a massive giveaway and we gave away 55 NFTs. Like, amongst us you know like it didn't start as that it was like i think there was like maybe 10 or something and then people in the room were like oh i'll give this away i'll give this away and it ended up coming out to 55 uh you know at that That's time amazing. giving away yetis and camels and uh who knows what all sorts of stuff max miata nfts uh and then it kept going eventually there was like a eventually we set up bots to keep it running in case like people weren't there and needed to sleep and one of the bots failed or something. So, so now it, be oh. it became a clubhouse because it was just a room. So it didn't have like that clubhouse mm -hmm. thing or anything. It didn't have any data or right. track. So, but the insider's room is still open. It's, it's there pretty much 24 seven, but it's not as active, you know, clubhouse has really declined. Um, but that was a really, yeah. really cool piece. Like a lot of friendships made a lot of Corby That's friends community come in and out of that room. Uh, I'm so happy that a lot of that, that picture was painted because uh, I know there's a, a huge demographic that in between the the initial mint date of 5.5 five in yeah. that week that was pushed back. I know a lot of people got into board apes in that week because they had the ETH, you know, they were onboarded. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, that makes a lot of sense now. Um, yeah. Very interesting. And, you know, so, and there were more too, like Ginger Beloved. You know Ginger? 
She's in the spaces all the time. Yeah. She started the V Friends Birds Club. Uh, she minted a faithful pheasant, I think. And she ended up starting a, a, a birds club. She had this Friday morning clubhouse, which was all about like getting a street team together. We wanted to have like V Street and do like guerrilla marketing and put up stickers and posters and like just get it out there. Uh, they're the group that eventually um, put up a billboard for V Friends. I don't know if you saw this, but there was, there's actually been two billboards put up by the community uh, for V Friends. Uh, in I like, did not know that. In like, but... on, on like a random highway in Wyoming or something. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, the first time I really, I started catching you on Spaces. And then I think somewhere in March, when vibes are high, all of this, all of these new happenings were leaked, you know, burning V2. I think, I mean, and I'd love to ask you or perspective on this i feel like this the spaces it seemed like you weren't doing them every day and then people were just hungry for it every yeah. day all the time Could take us to, to that that moment in time for you uh yeah you know it's just it's just a distribution of time and attention like i knew the spaces were wanted I, it was just hard for me to schedule them in because they run and run and run. Mm -hmm. And I was used to, I was used to just chatting and going back and forth on video. Um, so, so the audio was basically, it was kind of like a clubhouse, but because you, you have a speaker limit, it was like kind of a different muscle. And every time I did one, I got like a bunch of followers and a bunch of new people came in and there was always good like conversation. So I, I wanted to do more and more of them. And so we did, you know, it, it was, it was hard for me to get to that every single day, um, for whatever was going on at the time. But, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I, I knew that if, if nothing else, like while I was walking my dog or in, while I was doing whatever, it'd be great to hop on a recorded spaces and just share whatever was on my mind in case I didn't get a podcast out. I basically between mm -hmm. the spaces and the podcast was how I was maintaining the the community awareness for most of February, March, and April. Um, yeah. Did like that that's the energy, the energy was the, so much was happening. There was this breaking news all the time, new blog post. This is yeah. what the two characters look like. And everyone would just rush to your space because that, that was where we needed to be. You, well, just that's need, a you good had point. to be there. It was almost yeah, like must see of... TV. Like it was must see must hear Twitter. <laughs> That's I appreciate that. You know, a lot of that had to do with the book games confusion because mm -hmm. what did you, what, what do you make of book games? Like even now, I think, I mean, book games is probably the most interesting piece of the V friends ecosystem be because of the price point and because of the built-in tokenomics. Um, and you can see that on the surface, but it's very hard to see like where the investment opportunity is. It's, it's, it almost feels like picking up a lottery ticket, a book games, but right. it's this lottery ticket with like insane utility value. Uh, so anyway, you know, a lot of that happened because I was figuring out, like I needed to talk through it with people and Gary, you're right. Gary was teasing it out more and more. And there were a lot of open-ended questions that we knew we were going to get answers to. 
that's something that that Gary's really good about in marketing is like, you know, I know I know it's a bit of a meme, but the like announcing of the announcement, like we're yeah. we're like like we know the burn event is coming. We know we burn book games, but we have no idea which ones are when or why. You know, and so the, um, the game master, as you call him, the game master. That's right. So when yeah, dude, those tour spaces when were fun. Did you, oh yeah, and I I think they're. I'm trying to document as much as I, I can because I I think it's going to be a real just pivotal piece to to the early years of this. Um, mm. So when did you realize like? And I know you're very, you're as humble as they come. When did you realize you were the guy in this space for the community, the guy that everyone looked to, the guy that people looked to for alpha or advice or whatever? Was there one moment? Or... Um, mm, I mean, there, there's been a lot of moments. I still don't consider myself like the guy. I, the way I view myself is more like a standard bearer, you know, like in battle, you have the guy who like carries the flag, like yep. le leads the charge. I feel like over time I crafted a flag with my bowler hat, with my personality, with my content. And then the community gave me the, the stick and mm -hmm. now I'm, I, now I run with it. And that there are another six or seven people who have the same kind of flag. Like, you know, we were in a Twitter space the other day, the other day, just yesterday, even talking about this with Sal, talking about content. People, people were asking the question of like, how do you get started? What, how do you find your niche? What do you do? And he said something to the effect of like, and all, and all this time, Jeremy's laughing us because I put out a lot of content and I really don't see it like yeah. that. Like there's no, it, it's, it's not cyclical in that way. We're not running the same race. If it, if anything, it's a, it's a baton pass, you know, like how often have I needed to attend to other things? And I pass the baton to Sal to do the Twitter spaces. And I pass the baton to Isaiah and Dav. Um, not that they're running my flag, but they're running our uh, community, right? Like collective. We we need we need leaders, you know. Uh, we need to know where to look. We need that. We need trustworthy sources, and and that's what's so cool is like the the fabric of V Friends is so built on empathy, trust, like willingness to be wrong, lack of ego, um, respect that uh, that it can be distributed in that way. So anyway, to, to, to your question, um, if I was going to say one moment for sure, it would be at VCon. It would be, it would be like day one at VCon after walking around the stadium and getting stopped every 10 steps and having somebody call my name or ask me if I'm Jeremy knows. And, or I'm I like, I'm like standing somewhere minding my own business and somebody runs up and they're like, Oh my gosh, Jeremy. And they give me a big hug and I'm like, hi, who are you? They're like, you don't realize like you helped me so much. Like you helped me set up my ledger or you, you helped me find my V friend when it was lost or like some of this, some things that are very, very simple, but I've just DM would with so many people and answered so many questions over the last year that 
it really came together for me at VCon. I was like, wow. Um, it it's the, the reach is far. Like even if, even if there's not like thousands of people in the Twitter spaces, the reach of the content has been literal thousands and, and that's pretty wild. I think, um, yeah, you, you, and I've heard it and I've seen it. I, I saw how you interacted with people at VCon and, you know, you, like you said, you have a, a standard and I, I mentioned how patient you are with people in the spaces and the kind of rapport you try to build in such a short time and how mm-hmm. empathetic you are to situations, but seeing you in person, not being used to, you know, getting, I mean, Gary's used to it. Gary lives that life where he can't move three feet, but right. you stepping into it for the first time handled it like an absolute professional and you kind of exceeded the expectation you set forth just in audio and just in video. Mm. So like for me as an outsider, that was really fascinating to watch how you kind of outdid yourself and you Mm. are just the epitome of your own standard that you set. So, you know, roses to you for that. That's really cool. I actually actually pulled from, uh, well, I mean, you, you deserve that and, and more. I pulled a, a quote from your episode zero and you said, well, now there's a reason to have a podcast. Maybe you are that reason. And I think yeah. all of those people that are, are stopping you, like you did something for them um, along the way. And, you know, yeah. when you put out content, that's just, that's just how it goes. So I, I have to yeah. ask, I know you were with your brother. Yeah. What was that? Did you guys have a conversation where he was like, what, what's happening here? What universe am I in where you, you know, are get a celebrity? celebrity. <laughs> um, I mean, so my brother Jacob is aware of, of he, my, my brother has tweet, Twitter notifications on for me. He's been. Gotcha. So he's, he's been got supporting. Context. He knows what's up. Uh, he, he was there when the Christie's Dow formed. Um, he, he's been. He's been trading. He's he's been getting into NFTs for maybe seven or eight months now. So he's he's been around. He's quiet, like he's not in the spaces or on stage. But like uh, mm-hmm. at some point, I can't remember when. I, actually, I think it was the Boss Beauties mint. I got to mint Boss Beauties, and uh, and I was like, I think this is a good project. Like, and I had already told him to buy some ETH. And I was like, send me some ETH and I'll mint, mint you some of these boss beauties. And I think that was the first one he got into. But he's had a few good ones. He minted like nuclear nerds. He minted expansion punks. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously people wish they sold more up high and we're holding less now. But like expansion punks, for example, he was like freaking out. It was like his first win. And they didn't have a run until like two months after they launched. And they went up like 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8. And I was like, list it. L1. <laughs> and thank God he did because mm-hmm. they've gone all the way back down. They're like at mid price or lower. Like, like many things. Yeah. Um, um, I know you, you I know you posted content, at least in your TikTok, of, of you and your fiance. Did, <laughs> does she, what was her context on your status in this community? That's such a different story. She thought I was losing my mind at first. Um, she's been super supportive, but you have to imagine in those first couple of days as I'm like consumed, like working really hard to just tweet and post one or two or three things a day. 
um, she was like, did Jeremy join a cult? Like, what? Where did you go? Like, literally, literally the, <laughs> well, the you're thought on spaces was like, for seven hours. Yeah, it's like, where did you go? Because, like, your attention yeah. is so dispersed. Even now, like, we have a system where we do red light, green light. So, like, if one of us is on our phones or she's on the computer or, like, because if, if I'm on my phone texting, I could be, like, writing a shitpost tweet. I could be in the middle of a very important thread. I could be messaging, like, admin at a project. I could be shooting the shit in the Discord. I could be doing any number of, like, you know, various urgency things. And so if it is, like, time-sensitive or urgent or I just need to finish my thought, she'll be, like green light and I'll say red light. And then that'll be like, mm. talk to me, I'll like talk to me soon. You know, once I finish, I'll be like, yell or once I'm close to finishing, I'll be like yellow light. And then green light is you green uh, light is you have my full attention because it's so easy to get pulled away. I, yeah. I love that. I yeah. Might, so I do we, it's it like, always oh, just yeah. value, 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 value. Good. Yeah, Amazing. good because I've been Amazing. talking about myself a lot. <laughs> um, but <laughs> well, this this is this is why I mean, this is why I, it was so important for me to have a, a conversation with you because I, I know I you have your historian. This is all my mission on this is to both selfless and selfish. And one of yes. the things I want to do is to be able to document the history of this community, which I think I'm I more just as bullish of this community as I am of the project. And I think they're just going hand in hand. So I, and I think it's important to really document the early stages of this. Yeah. And you're, you're obviously a pivotal person of that. When, you know what, Look, I'm going to take this another way. April 19th, 2022. Mm -hmm. Take us, let's go to that day because oh, on sorry. spaces, somehow you, I think you got a, a tennis, you got a tennis elbow oh, access with Gary. Right. Is that true? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Take us, take us, because I have a text here that you tweeted out. What did I um, say? Because it says it's. Oh, is it the one on the couch? Hold on. Is the one where I'm like, Sorry. I went from depressed. I don't want to totally interrupt. Here we go. All right. Oh, I can't it read says, that. Oh, I'm going to hold it up and I'm going to read it. It says, what up, man? Change of plans. About to head out. And then it's crossed out. Okay. Can you come to Vayner? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take us to take us to that day, which I think was your birthday. So this is fun. Yeah. April 19th is my birthday. The story really starts like two or three weeks earlier. And I get a random message from someone in the community. Uh, his name's Mike. And... I had very little interaction with him actually up to this point, but you know, you just never know who's really like in your corner, sort of in the shadows. And he holds multiple access tokens. So he had, he literally had more access than he could handle. And so he chose several tokens and several community members and said, Hey, you can have this access. You can choose one of these. You can go to breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, tennis. You can go bowling. 
you know, I don't want to dox him too much, but like, you know, right, it's, right, it's right. on the, it's on the blockchain. So, so he, he, he also had access for himself. He, he, um, I, I don't want to connect too many of his wallets. I don't, cause I don't know what his situation is, but like he had a, I, I think it's probably fine. He he has the Shadow Me Scorpion. So, so the Shadow Me Scorpion is the one where you spend a day shadowing Gary B. Okay. Mm-hmm. So because he got so many of these access tokens, obviously Gary's super grateful and he's like totally, totally has access to Gary token or not. Um, anyway, so story time. About two weeks before my birthday, I get this message that is like, hey, I really appreciate all the things you've done for the community. I want to gift you an access experience. These are the ones I have available in the dates. So like I said, breakfast, brunch, dinner, bowling, tennis. Um, and I was like, whoa. And a couple other people also got this message. Like Sal and Amanda both got this message and a few, a few folks. So I was trying to figure it out. I decided to go bowling because... I felt like dinner and lunch might be like competing more for time and I'd rather have the activity. And I actually like bowling. Mm-hmm. I don't do it often, but I, I like to do it. So that's what okay. I chose. And on like the Thursday before my birthday, I went bowling with Gary and the seven or eight other bowling boas. It's in the, it's in like the weekly V it's like, we, it was fun. You know, I, I got to spend maybe five minutes talking to Gary during that time, just like, banter back and forth but but just before that the guy who was going to use the tennis elbow experience which is a one and a half hour tennis match with gary uh backed out for whatever reason and when mike found out it was my birthday he's like oh i might just have to give you this for your birthday like because he hit me up he was like um you know so and so backed out would you or i think he said do you play tennis and I was like, no, I've never played. He's like, would you want to? And I was like, I mean, I'll be there. Like, if it's with Gary V, I'll yeah. be there. And uh, so he decided to give it to me. So I actually had two experiences. I told Gary at the bowling, I was like, there's a there's a small chance I'll I'll see you next week for tennis. He was like, uh, okay. He was like on his way out. So back to that message. Mike texts me the morning of, and I I had a about a week to I had about a week where it was a possibility and like three days when it was confirmed to play tennis. I've never played tennis. I don't have tennis shoes. I don't know how to hold a tennis racket. <laughs> I'm literally like, what is, what is the saying? Like, uh, up, up the creek and without it, a paddle and like, yeah, I don't know. So the day before I go, I buy tennis shoes because they have to have like a flat sole or whatever. I'm like watching YouTube yep, yep. videos about like how to how to follow through <laughs> and do all this. And I come. Yes, this... I'm a tennis. I'm a tennis coach, by the way. Oh no way, dude! I've, you have to teach me. I've been me. playing since I was three years old. I'd be happy to, of course, dude. What, wait, what part of the country are you in? Uh, Charleston, but I, my family's in Connecticut, so not too dude, far from you. I, I like. When I get to the end of the story, you'll understand why I have to learn tennis. So, <laughs> so I came up with this funny idea because he had just announced the clown as the as the mascot of the pickleball team, and I was I was just thinking about all the different ways it could go. You know, like yes, it's an hour and a half of tennis, 
but I can surely squeeze out 15 or 20 minutes of like chatter. Maybe I can get them on the podcast for like five minutes because otherwise it's going to be playing mm-hmm. and like calling across the court and I'm about to get demolished. Like Gary really plays tennis and I don't know a damn thing. So I came up with this idea because I am a clown to dress up as the competitive clown and totally fuck off all of the formalities of like, Hey Gary, so good to see you. Good morning. Like, thanks for being here. Okay. Let's, let's warm up. Let's That's play amazing. and just be the competitive clown. And I like, I got stuff for a costume, like the shitty, but thrown together costume. I was going to wear my clown nose and maybe even go full silent clown as he shows up and like, just be with my <laughs> tennis racket and be like, doing, be doing great content. It w- and, Exactly. And that's why I did it. Because in my mind, I was like, 5149. How can I give Gary more value in this than he's giving to me, which is like, such a stretch. Like knowing everything we know, knowing that I want a job at V friends, knowing that like all this prosperity from the community is because of him, knowing that V friends has changed my life, him knowing all of that about me. So, so it's very interesting, because I was ready to do that. I got the costume. I got the shoes night before I'm like rehearsing with my partner, Haley. And I'm like wearing the costume. I'm trying to figure out like, what is the vibe? Am I like, am I like a competitive, aggressive clown? Am I like, I'm going to tear off your face kind of clown or am I more authentic to myself, which is like kind of, um, more slim profile, shy. I like burst of energy and come back to neutral clown. That's like more my persona. And I started to realize that it was very put on. Uh, this is a very roundabout story, but I, I, I swear it pays off. So, I, hey, I'm following, I'm with you. I, I, I just was like, I was like, what's my fail safe? Like, what if it flops? Because for, for you to have a one-on-one clown performance is very intrusive, right? Like, I'm looking at you directly in the eyes. Mm-hmm. I'm getting up in your face. There's no stage distance. And it's just going to be me and him and D-Rock filming the experience. So so I started to have doubts about like how to play it and how, like what my failsafe could be if I need to get out. How long do I wear the costume? And I had this like very real epiphany, which in all honesty is more valuable than anything I got from Gary in my time with him was that the only reason, yes, I wanted to provide value and good content, but the only reason that I was dressing up as this clown and pulling this stunt was because I was still seeking Gary's validation for my journey, for my platform, mm. for my voice in V friends. And so I decided the night before not to dress as the clown, but to keep it, to keep the costume. And after I'm there, tell him the plan. You know, I had this idea for like a TikTok we could shoot. Um, and like bring him into it instead of forcing it upon him, bring him into it. And like, I felt so Mm -hmm. much power there to not be showing up to tennis as like a mega fan. And you know, it's not really not, not a colleague, but just like a person, you know, just showing up as myself. So I woke up the next morning. I was nervous. I was excited. The meeting was at like 10, 10 30. And I had all my stuff ready. And I was like, this is going to be wild. I'm like drinking my coffee five minutes before I leave. And I get that message, change of plans. Can you come to the office? And apparently Gary had hurt his back doing something. So it didn't make sense Uh, for him to leave the office and go out and play. And 
And Mike was already at the office doing his shadow with the scorpion. So they just said, have him come to the office. So instead of playing tennis and getting like maybe 15 minutes of focus time with Gary, I got to sit down with him for the full time in his office for an hour and a half. And yes, it was my 31st birthday. And I had the costume with me. I had the, I had a, a, a tube of tennis balls for him to sign. Uh, I had a list of things that I was on my wish list. And it was, it was totally surreal, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm welcomed into the Vayner office. Uh, I come in and he's like wrapping something up. I'm like hanging out outside the office. D-Rock like ushers me in. And the time is mine. Like Gary's behind his desk. He's like doing something on his phone. Mike is there. I sit down and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I can't even believe I have this time. He's like, take your time. It's, it's your time, you know? And, yeah. and it's funny how thinking about it after the fact, I was like, did I just squander all that time? I didn't like, ask for anything in particular. I didn't like ask for branding uh, alpha or like, I didn't ask him to like pick my stuff apart. I literally just like built rapport with him and like brought him into, to my world. It's instead of, instead of, I guess, trying to like edge my way into his world, I brought him into mine. Uh, and I remember which, it in like, in, in like, uh, yeah. I tell no, you which was, I think, just an amazing, amazingly, you know, top shelf way to, to go about it. Um, right. You know, you, you just stayed, you stayed your, your role. Like you gave, you asked great questions that people, people that really follow what you're yeah, doing they in the podcast and spaces would want to, want to know. Um, yes. I've never been so like excited when I saw that notification pop up on my phone, like for that podcast, I was like, Holy shit. I've never been so excited to, to listen to any podcast yeah. episode. So like it, it was, it was wild. And like, I was so happy for you. And plus I want to know the story because the last I had heard was that you were going to play tennis with him. So in my head, I'm like, yeah. oh, he's probably gonna have some cool content. Well, uh, a, co- but a that couple was, that cool. Was... Yeah. Oh, there, were a co- there were a couple cool things that, from that. So like that energy totally came from the epiphany the night before, even though I was still nervous and mm-hmm. like, I still didn't like know because I had like an hour's notice that I would have all this time. So I had prepared for like 15 or 20 minutes, you know? Um, but I remember it in a, in like a trilogy, like the first half hour, I mostly told him my background and how he's affected my life. Like I told him that I was like, mad depressed and like at a low before v friends and like what a blessing it's been i told him like i'm not a v friends fanatic because i love you so much but i actually love v friends so much and i realized that that came out a little wrong but i could tell he understood the point like i wanted him to to recognize that um that i'm not trying to build up the the like the cultishness around gary v like like Gary, Gary's pretty good at, at dispelling his own cult of personality, you know, but it's like, right. V friends will be great because of Gary V, but it is, but it is not because of Gary V that V friends is great. Like there's, there's something to that. Like, I think it's important for people to separate the two. Like 
Gary V is not V friends. V friends is not web three. Gary is not web three. You know, all of these things are their own um, buildings that are, that are being built yep. by, by him. I'm so happy you said that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like, and I, I told him like the, the, the two or three different touch points from him that like really changed my life. Like first it was self-awareness when I was in that MLM. Second, it was the regret is poison content. Like my, my grandmother died. And, uh, from that moment, I was like, I've got to go visit my grandfather before he passes away. I've got to go do it. He was like 90, 91, 92, 93. And I still hadn't visited him. It was three years since my grandma's death. And I had seen that piece of content before, but it came around again. And I was like, this is the moment. Like I finished my contract. I canceled the next. I spent three weeks in Michigan, in Flint, Michigan, living with my 93 year old grandfather, doing absolutely nothing. But like, ask him more questions and try to get his history. And he, my grandfather was befuddled. He's like, why, what are you doing here? Like you're, you're 27 years old, 28, like whatever I was, he's like, don't you have better things to do? And I was like, no, like I want to like know you. And it's it's like one of my proudest decisions I've ever made. And it's like, it, it hits totally different knowing now that like, four months later, he would pass away. So like that whole regret Mm -hmm. is poison narrative, like really played out in a short time. And like, for the longest time, I've simply just wanted to tell him that, like, I just wanted him to know and have a little bit of the satisfaction, like that message got to somebody and it made a big difference. So I remember in the first half hour being like starting and stopping and not really knowing where to, where to take the conversation. And I said, I'm an hour and a half. Well, if I had just two minutes, this is what I would say. And I, I told him that and, that, and that led to conversation. And we talked about life and death and art and all these things. And that was all the first 30 minutes. And then the second 30 minutes was more focused on V friends and specifically art and the power of intellectual property. Cause everybody wants to know like, how is this thing really going to be made? And like at that time, yeah. he didn't know what the toys were going to be and they were on the shelves. And I was like, tell me about that. And he's like, that's just a little something I'm working on. You know, he didn't give me the alpha that they were going to be on display at VCon sure. or anything. Um, uh, but one thing that's always fascinated me about Gary Vee is his conclusions about people's behavior and his like philosophy that that is based on like, consumer behavior and what he's observed. And I have come to a lot of the same conclusions, but through the study of art, art history and theater. And so it's like, there's always different ways to the top of the mountain. And the fact that we align at the top of the mountain that way, business versus art, like has always fascinated me. So I kind of gave him perspective from the other side of the mountain. You know, when he talks about like pulling from both sides, like I explained to him that yes. in physical theater, that's like, that's like a very real tool that I use. You know, it's like everything is opposition, right? If, if I don't know how this will come across on, on camera, but if I reach my arms out, my chest has to go backward because it's balance. Like, and mm. balance is always an illusion, right? It's, you're always passing through it. It's not a static thing. But if I don't lean back and I just reach out my arms, it has a very different feeling. If like, this is like welcoming, 
But if I don't move back, this is like more aggressive. It The physical ah, body wow. communicates so much, right? And it's because there's a certain honesty in opposition. It just like, it's like, it, the, these things that they're, they're tools in my, in my repertoire. And it's fascinating. So it, yeah. And it was fascinating to him too, to just like hear about another way in which balance and pulling from both sides matters. And, and then he was like, you know, we were talking about balance and stuff. And he's like, I actually think it's good to be on the extreme to pull back. Like, it's good to be overly confident. It's good to be overly competitive. And, and, mm -hmm. and yes, balancing that with overly hu humble and overly, uh, you know, empathetic or whatever. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff came out of that. Like he told me he's, he's considering Broadway as a vehicle for V friends. Um, uh, he, he, he told me a few different like possible businesses that he could create like products and services, stuff we've heard before. Mm -hmm. I was like, right. I, I was like, what about toothpaste? I think he threw out cereal and I was like, yeah, what about toothpaste? And he's yeah, like, I've heard. yeah, but I just invested in a toothpaste company. So I don't know how, I don't know how much I want to go into that space just yet. And I was like, only right. you can answer a question like that. <laughs> like only you. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, he, he's he's a weirdo, dude. He he's he, like, and it, it it shows more when you have some like slower, quieter time with him. Like he's a weird dude, and I, and I told him I was like, you know, obviously you don't need to hear it from me, but like you're really special. And he was like, yeah. I don't think I'm special in that way. I just think I'm different. Um, and that's just some of his humility showing. And then the third half hour was the podcast you heard because I asked. We like got to a conclusion gotcha. at some point. I was talking to him about getting stuck in the middle, especially with the podcast. Like I'm always wanting the podcast to go more toward the extremes and be better and better and better. And I find as I get comfortable with things, I find myself in the middle and, and Gary d does what Gary V does. He thinks about it from a reverse engineering standpoint. And he's like, well, if you're, if that's like stressing you out or you don't like that for some reason, like you need to be nice to yourself. Like you need to stop judging yourself through your process. And I told him really quick, I was like, assume I'm nice to myself because I understand, I, I, I understand the value of pushing at the extreme, but I get, um, I get discontent in the middle because I, because I fear complacency and he's like, got it. Then, really what you're talking about is patience. You're not patient enough because the middle, the middle, it matters as much as anything else. Like you have to move through certain things. Sometimes you have to get through a hundred podcast episodes of it, not feeling innovative or not feeling like your best work to get to that episode. That's like, Oh, this is the next thing. Um, and and specifically in relation to what I'm doing is like, I don't want to just be at the status quo of putting out VFriends news. Like I want to be growing and doing more for the community. Sure. So that came to a close and I was like, Hey, uh, there's two more things I'd like to talk about. One, would you be on my podcast for five to seven minutes? And he said, yes. And I, I was so surprised that he said yes, that I totally forgot the second thing. And I was like, uh, uh, and I like looked <laughs> at my nose. And I was like, I forgot, but it'll come back to me. And he's like, well, that's okay. Let's do the podcast now. So 
make sure we get the first one done. And I just hit record. That was the next 30 minutes that you heard. And, yeah. uh, and you had, you had these questions on your to-do list or they're just off the cuff from your, your head. Uh, they were off the cuff, except for the clown question, except for asking him about the bowler hat for the clown. They were, I gotcha. had given it, I had given it a and lot of thought, but I didn't have them. Like, that was listed. interesting. And I was also only prepared for like one or two questions and I got like six or seven. So that was uh, more, that was more, um, further down. That question was kind of further down the pike. Was there a moment where you knew that he knew who you were? through interacting with your content or through the, maybe well, one of the other team members? Yeah, it was early. He, he followed mm -hmm. me on Instagram in June. Oh, wow. 2021. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you're first. And he followed me on Twitter shortly after end of June, July. And he retweeted me within the first week because I was talking about it. Like I rem I remember the sure. first retweet I got from him was when I did a tiny thread on the observant oyster. And I was like, this is one of the few characters that has a five and a signature. And I was scanning the characters to try to find characters that had all three, the five, the signature and the heart. And I couldn't find any, there are a couple, um, but there were very few that had multiples. And he retweeted it. I got a bunch of attention. He even, he, and he shared it in the discord and he said, people are like Sherlock Holmes. So that was, that was the first time he saw the like wannabe name. And, uh, you know, I had, haven't had any calls with him or anything besides that, that face to face, but, but his team was aware of me within the first couple of weeks. Like, you know, Maha Gaber who's who did a lot of sure. headed up a lot of stuff at VCon. She was like my eighth follower. Wow. Yeah. She, yeah because she was, she's she was following she the, the hashtag V friends and she saw, I was replying to all this stuff and she messaged me. She's like, she's like, uh, I love, I love the idea. Keep going. Like before I, um, before I even had 10 well, followers. That, Maha is is actually a good segue. I and I we had a little interaction. I was I was able to get access to maybe where I shouldn't have for the the closing keynote. And I actually, I mean, I she doesn't know this. I mean, I I did get a chance to briefly meet her, uh, but I was standing right next to her for the closing keynote, one which I think will be historic. Um, so yeah. I just want to play a little clip. I want to play a little clip for you here okay um just so happens i was standing next to her let's go right all right Look. Were you able to hear that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that moment was two people got called out. You were one of them. And just in that moment, in that space, and you know, closing it up, wrapping it up, the energy was there. 
he calls you out. Plus, you have it was poetic in the sense that you had all of the diehard V friends cheering for you. What what was going through your head during that moment? During that moment, I was like, "Oh shit, that's me!" I like took off my hat and I like put it up in the air and I was w- waving it around and <laughs> I was like, I, I, it, "It it wasn't like jubilant excitement. It was like, yes, sir." It was like on it. And at that time I was live streaming on Instagram because, you know, they didn't want people live streaming all the speeches, but I knew yep. I had, I had the intuition that there was going to be a Viper strike. I knew the VCon Viper was going to strike before the end of VCon. There was something that we didn't know yet. And Snoop Dogg was talking and I was sitting on the ground and I could feel it coming. So I went live on Instagram. I called it Viper strike and I was just explaining Gary's about to drop a bomb. He's about to say something. Something's coming. Here it comes. D-O-double-G friends. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. And it just went into his keynote. So I flipped it around. I was just filming it from where I was standing. So as he says that, I'm holding Instagram, trying to be steady. I'm watching him, like, look at him this way. And I was making content as he said it. So I, I was like, I'm already on it. Got it. Next. You know, I was like, but but then the cheers came. And I was like, whoa because you can hear there's that there's like two waves of cheering there's the people who know and they're like jeremy jeremy i see your hat i expect you to make content on this Woo! and then you hear the other people who are like did he just say jeremy oh my god yes jeremy and they were like yeah. two seconds behind and two really cool things happened very quickly in that moment and I, this is really cool to share because people know this but they don't think about it a lot there is more communicated in individual moments than in hours sometimes in conversations. Because sure. in that moment, number one, Gary dropped that shout out and paused. He didn't say, Jeremy, I see you with your hat and I expect you to make content about this. It's important that we know, da da da. He knew there would be a response. Number two, he studied the response. Because you know how he was doing that throughout VCon. He's like, okay, but for real, give me some noise. If you came here from Canada, I'm doing some audio uh, market research right now. Give me a round of applause. And he's like, oh. and there was that moment where he's like, oh, that voted very well for Canada. Okay, cool. So even though he didn't do it a second time, I know he was just very attentive. He was like, okay, 10% or more of the people at VCon know who Jeremy is. That means 10% yep. or more of the community is really tapped into the day-to-day like updates and and that that was a really big deal and 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 that was just the icing on the cake or the cherry on top for me with feeling feeling just like the like the standard bearer like I talked about you know because e- even though you get a lot of flowers even though you help a lot of people from the macro of the community you know I can't assume that the community is going to accept me. You know, if I, I decided to keep doing this and I might not be the right face or voice or, or vibe for all V friends, but, but like given the response at VCon, I feel like I, I've, I feel like I've elevated to a certain, like I, like I've really recommitted to like this leadership role in the community and it makes me want to just like listen harder and work harder and be better 
And so like, that was just the icing on top of like, yeah, th this is the start of a really long, fun journey. I love that. And, and it definitely was a moment, you know, the Christie's thing was a moment, perhaps coming out party. Uh, and that, that was definitely a moment. And I, I, I just felt it. Yeah, like, I was, I was so, you know, obviously we've had minimal interaction since then, but I was just so proud. And I just knew in that moment, like a, that this keynote is going to be historic yes. um, because it's, it's wrapping up the first VCon and this man is just going to just make Dude. waves in the next one, five, 50 years. And this is the end of the first one. And then to, to get that shout out. And it was kind of like a badge of honor for you, tip of your hat to you, but the whole community too. Like, yeah. like you said, the, the baton, I have anyone that you pass to. So that was, Awesome. And then from so my vantage point, I was, sorry. I was just saying, you're so right. Like in the, as far as the history books go, when like it's VCon 2037 and like the clips of the first VCon are circulating again, like it means so much, like he's not, he's off the cuff, but he knows what he's doing saying my name from the main stage. You know, like that was a really yeah, big of nod course. of, of acknowledgement, like bigger than he's not, not that bigger than I deserve, but it certainly wasn't wa warranted, like, like needed. And, and like, he, it just, it just really validated. He like, ironically me saying, I don't need his validation from that previous meeting. Like it really validated me within the community. I mm. think for a lot of people. Yeah. It's a game of both. You could have both, right? Not yeah. need it, but also need it. Yeah. So, yeah, like I really thought about a lot, like I love V friends. I love obviously him, um, but I just really having like an identity, like how do I want to devote my time? How do I want to be a part of this, this community? And mm -hmm. I just love the his history of it. I love, you know, I, we spend so much time talking about, all right, what's V2 going to be in six months or, you know, how, how's the passionate pitch going to, play into whatever soccer team like that's cool to pontificate that but like i'm also super interested into being like all right so like how did that conversation in malibu go like the the caterpillar was gonna be the Me black too. cat and then something happened and it changed like i'm super super interested in that and that's kind of, that really pushed me to like all right i need to this needs to be documented oral history of of these years and that's kind of what i'm what i'm doing so cool but it it's so it's so interesting. I, I talked to Tim F yesterday, who is an OG of him from from twenty episode oh, one of Wine Library. Yeah, it's like twenty oh is it is it twenty eleven? Twenty twelve? Yeah, jeez. Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Have you seen the episode with Tim and Gary? Like where he's Yeah, we we, he's, we talk about it and I actually oh I play a clip. So, so good. I was very interested in the comparing the communities, the Vania community and uh, this one. And I was trying to get some differences and basically what we can expect, Gary has not changed. Surprise and delight over delivered back then and here. So, you know, I, I'm just as bullish on ever on this uh, community and, and what we're doing here. So, mm. you know, I really, really appreciate, you know, I speak on, behalf of everyone when like you the amount you give it, it's more than 5149 just the countless hours countless content 
just and just the, the vision and the patience with people like it's all all the ingredients wrapped up in a one so i can't Thanks, thank man. you enough i want Thanks. to put it out there you just dropped a project can I you did. talk about it for 30 seconds yeah um I'm going to be talking about it a lot more because I've learned so much in launching it and I've false launched like three times over the last year. Um, but I've simplified it to a membership based NFT. It's a Genesis of mine. I call them the JKs, the Jeremy knows token of gratitude. And we're creating a messaging platform to funnel first notice on everything in my ecosystem. So like, it's going to be focused on VFriends breaking news and when Gary goes live and when there is time sensitive information about Web3 and VFriends. But the other two pillars are going to be higher, higher and higher quality Web3 literacy educational content, which the token revenue will help to create and community stories just like this. Because we were doing community stories a lot. We do them in Clubhouse all the time on Twitter spaces. I was doing them on my podcast for a while. I really want to get back to that. Um, so it's $150 in ETH uh, at jeremynose.com. There it is. Uh, 179 uh, minted. So while you're finishing, I'm going to mint number 179. Yeah, let's just go. So with 179, that means we've we've sold 166, 165. Um, my goal is... My, 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 my minimum goal is to get to 900 minted. Um, my reach goal, nice. That was amazing to see the number change. Uh, my niche, my reach goal is to get to 2,500. That That's the point at which everyone's membership goes for two years. So there's a, I know you said mm. 30 seconds, but the, the hold mechanic is that first notice messaging, private discord, art drops, whatever I decide to do in the future, but it's mostly about the information direct line messaging. That is limited to a year while I develop a business model around what we're doing. But the burn access is lifetime. So actually each token is redeemable for time with me and you can bank that for life. You burn the token and we can do whatever you need in reason in a private setting. And uh, I'm working on a burn menu right now. You know, so it's like burn one, you know, private session, burn three, uh, set up a hardware wallet, burn five, measure your project on a Twitter spaces, burn 10, add a, add an NFT project to our weekly radar, burn 400. I'll sell you my heart trooper, <laughs> whatever, or my heart pick. Um, <laughs> I'm still working that out, but, um, but that, yeah, the, the whole burn mechanic is cool. I can't wait. I was hoping for 155, but it got a little ahead of me. Um, you can always so, go for five fifty five. Five fifty five. There's gonna be a, there's gonna be a handful of people all trying to snipe that five fifty five. It'll be fun. Um. So it's funny. Gary always says, you know, watch what I do, and you are just the epitome of that. The give, 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 and then ask. You know, you're never. You've provide so much, and this is you just asking. So anyone that perhaps is listening to this, check it out, follow yeah. you on TikTok, follow you on Instagram. I'll link up all the links in the, the show notes here, but please, please, Thank please um, support uh, Mr. Jeremy here. So, you know, I could, I could give you roses all day. I'm just in short. Thank you. 
before we go to our last little bit here, and I appreciate your time so much. Uh, I call it macro, micro, macro spitfire. So you could do a macro general answer or a micro get really detailed about why you're going to do this okay, uh, or why you, you're answering what you do. So Shoot. here we go. Uh, and usually they, for the question, first question, usually the answer is you. So maybe we'll move that aside. Maybe someone else. Uh, someone that needs to be followed if you're just getting into VFriends. Uh, book games, book games info. Uh, go on. Uh, okay. okay. Someone who needs Sorry, to be followed. See, someone who needs to be followed. If you're just getting into V friends. Yes. Me. You need to follow busy NFT. You need to follow book games info. You need to follow Sal DeGuardia. You need to follow Vaginas. You need to follow Gary V. You need to follow Adam Rips. You need to follow Cranac. You need to follow, you need to follow punk 6529. You need to follow the thread guy. You need to follow O Shiny. You need to follow. You need to follow everyone. <laughs> that, no, that's a pretty. I good, love it. It's a pretty good list. There's so many V Friends content. Like you need to follow Book Games Noob, dude. You need to follow Shiv. You need to follow Mohit. Like you just need to follow V Friends. Favorite teacher you've had, and one reason why. My U.S. history teacher in high school uh, gave me the curiosity to want to travel, and he played music in our classes. And he was like a he was like a hippie turned high school teacher, and he 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 was a good friend. Friends or the Office? Oh, The Office. I've watched them both. Your The Office. Your favorite movie. I don't, I don't do favorite movies, really. The first one that comes to mind is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That's a hell of a movie. The tiny machine... Sorry, time machine, tiny ogre can be traded for... A V-Friend. V-Friend, a V-Friend spec. Go or Go goo? Gosh, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to stop you. It, it's definitely both, go and goo. It's go to Gary. It's goo to all of us. But the time machine, tiny yogurt, I'm realizing now is like worth three or four specs. So I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. If I have, if you have one sealed box, you can only have one. Are you keeping Uno or complete and collect? Complete and collect. Paper hands pony or the koala? Paper hands pony. Gratitude gorilla or patient pig? Gratitude. Two-hour group dinner, group access dinner with Gary for two hours or a 10-minute one-on-one? Two hours. Two hours in a group. Jeremy, you are you're the man. I have one, one final question. <laughs> okay. You have one. Gary says, all right, you can ask me one final question in your interview on your birthday. What are you asking him? I, a couple a couple things go through my mind. Um, if I get one more question in my interview, uh, I'm probably just asking him for a hug. To be honest, I, I still Amazing. I still haven't had a you Gary are... V hug. It's always it's always the daps. I need a Gary V hug one of these days. 
I, I, I have a feeling it's coming for you. Yeah, me too. Uh, that and more. So uh, I can't thank you enough. You are an ambassador like no other. Like I can't man. even imagine how grateful we are. I, you know, we say we're grateful, but I don't think we, we really appreciate it yet. So uh, thanks. Yes. I hope this is the first of many conversations. I know we just scratched the surface here, but have the best day, week, and, and month ever. Yeah, absolutely. This this can be the seed for the eventual V Friends, uh, the Vikipedia page. You know, I love, I, it. I love that you're documenting this history. Anytime you have a question, just let me know. Will do. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the VFAM Sessions podcast. It would truly make my day if you took just five seconds to subscribe to the podcast. And if I'm lucky, maybe another five to share out the episode on Twitter so that you and the other members of the community will be able to enjoy all the amazing stories that this family has to offer for the next 55 years. Appreciate you, fam.